Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey, fellas, listen. Confidence in the bedroom, it's pretty darn important. And if something happens that makes you question your confidence, it could be a disaster. That's where Blue Chew comes in, a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in a chewable tablet, get this, at a fraction of the cost. The best part, you don't have to deal with any doctor, the awkwardness of going into the pharmacy, you know, you know what I'm talking about. It all comes right to your door. It's completely online. And I've got a special deal for my listeners. Blue Chew, free when you use the promo code Mikey at checkout. Just pay the $5 shipping. That's bluechew.com, promo code Mikey, to receive your first month free. Visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. We thank you, Blue Chew, for sponsoring this podcast. Also, I'd like to tell you about Magic Spoon. If you're dieting, if you're trying to watch what you eat, it's so nice to have something that doesn't throw you off, that doesn't give you guilt, but it also tastes amazing and nice and sweet. That's where Magic Spoon comes in. It tastes as good, if not better, than your favorite childhood cereals. And it's got 13 or 14 grams of protein, only 4 net grams of carbs in each serving, and only 140 calories per serving. Gluten-free, keto-friendly, grain-free, soy-free, low-carb. Build your own box now. Available flavors to build your very own custom bundle are cocoa, fruity, frosted, peanut butter, blueberry, cinnamon, cookies and cream, and maple waffle. And I can tell you, they all taste amazing. Go to magicspoon.com slash Mikey, grab a custom bundle of cereal, try it today, and be sure to use the promo code Mikey at checkout. Save $5 off your order. Magicspoon.com slash Mikey. Use the promo code Mikey. Save your money. Thank you, Magic Spoon. And Lucy. If you know, if you know me, you know I love the benefits of nicotine. It's an amazing drug, but it's misunderstood. Most of the time, you get your nicotine from really dirty places like uh, smoking or chewing tobacco or vaping. Lucy does all the work for you to make sure you get all the benefits of nicotine without the downsides. Here's the deal. Four, eight, or 12 milligram clinical doses in delicious flavors like spearmint, mango, cool cider, and it's in lozenges or an amazing gum, Lucy is an amazing product. I really, really believe in this, and I really, really do think people need to understand the metabolic benefits, the cognitive benefits, the appetite suppression, all the great things that come with nicotine when you don't use it connected to the old-fashioned ways of getting it. Mikey likes you listeners. Go to lucy.com, excuse me, lucy.co. Go to lucy.co, use the promo code Mikey, get 20% off your order of Lucy Slim Pouches or really any other Lucy products. That's lucy.co, use promo code Mikey at checkout. Also, I have to remind you, this product contains non-tobacco nicotine. Nicotine is, in fact, an addictive chemical. Lucy.co, be sure to use the promo code Mikey. And I can't forget about my friends at Bet Online. They're back. It's time for football, do 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 and not to mention baseball playoffs are starting. It's a great time in sports, and there's nowhere you need to be headed besides Bet Online. Head to the website, use your mobile device, sign up today, receive your 100% welcome bonus. That's double your initial deposit just for signing up. Don't forget to use promo code NFL100. Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. It's Bet. Online, your online sports book expert. I'm, I was going to sing, but I'm not going to sing. I don't have a guitar. I'll sing with you. What can we sing? What are you, what are you just oh. going to pick a song? 
Mikey likes you. Nice. All right, I'm done. That's good. That's good for me. As if you couldn't tell, ladies and gentlemen, the electrifying guest on today's Mikey Likes You, my wife, Bianca Kylik, actor, mother, registered uh, esthetician. esthetician. I was going to say that too. <laughs> nice. Nice. It's a good one to go with. Uh, hi, honey. How are you? I'm here. What does that mean? I'm doing great, actually. I'm I'm good. I'm a little tired because um, we stayed up really late last night doing a self tape. Yeah, for yeah. an audition. Yeah, what I was. What does a single guy or a single gal do? Right, the same situation as you. No kid, no husband, no wife, whatever. You're just in your apartment, and you get this message from your agent says, here's, you know, the audition you got for Grey's Anatomy due tomorrow. Because now every, for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, my wife's an actor. And since the beginning of the lockdown, like honestly, since spring of 2020 auditions, chemistry tests, anything in the world of Hollywood is done completely online, like via Zooms, via pre-tapes and you send it in yourself. Um, my wife is really lucky that she's married to David Fincher over here, who, you know, is willing to do read her lines with her and, and you, mic, mic things up. You and, are remarkable because you do all the voices. Like if, if it's a known show and something that we've watched and he knows the characters, he's able to like mimic them. Almost maybe, perfectly. maybe a little too much. Like maybe, Sometimes Maybe I, I get like lean, lean a little too hard into trying to chew up the scenery. Sometimes I do have to be like, babe, it's about me. It's, no. it's, it's for me, honey. It's for me to get it. But done. like, do you hear what I'm saying? Like, let's say you're, you're, you know, getting your career started. You're 25 years old. You're in your apartment at 7 p.m. on Sunday. And it's like, this one's due tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, what do you do? People, they have like, you can call someone in on Zoom. They, they have, uh-huh. they have like people that that's their job now is they do zoom online reading but it's crazy i mean a job that was already look i'm i i love my work and i know that comparatively to other things parts of it are not hard in fact not hard at all some of them are are really incredibly luxurious and amazing some of it is shit uh Parts of it that were already uncomfortable. Yeah. Parts of it that were already uncomfortable are now disproportionately uncomfortable. Like I had to do a chemistry read over Zoom. And for those of you who don't know what a chemistry read is, it's when they've narrowed down some choices. And let's say you're a couple. And so they say, like, okay, we have five guys and we have five girls. We're now going to mix and match and have them all read together to decide who we like the best together, who has the best chemistry. When you are on Zoom, so normally I would go to an office, a casting office or a, or a studio. I would sit in a hallway with a bunch of other actors. There's this really incredible sense of camaraderie or, or, or a competition sometimes. Um, and, but you see people sometimes. that... You see people that you don't you only see in this 
in this capacity. Like it's, it's, it's awesome. Like there's people that I know that were friends of mine that I call audition friends. Like I literally would just see them at auditions and then you sit there for a couple hours and you go in and out, but you have an awareness of what's going on. Like you see who they're taking in the room over and over again. You know, there's no, you also get the vibe of the energy of the room. You get the vibe of the energy of the room. You walk in, you know, all the people that are in there on zoom. I sat in our house for four hours on a, on zoom, but, but in a waiting room. So it's literally just a blank screen with a chat box. And they might say to me, you're up next. Or suddenly my screen would just come on and there's a room full of producers in their little boxes. And I have no idea who I'm about to read with. The guy just pops up and I'm like, Oh, okay. This guy's my husband for the next two minutes. And paradise for you. And yes, uh, there's a casting director reading with us. So I, on Zoom, I can't ever tell who's looking at who. How, how do you have chemistry that way? Well, not very well. I mean, obviously, that's not, not at all. It's not like ideal. Not at all. I don't know. I mean, I just I always try to think of things from the alternative standpoint. And I go, well, what, what honestly, what are they supposed to do? Because I'm not listening. You know, like I, I, I only think like if they were to really try to shoehorn in the old way of doing things, then it's only going to make one of the biggest problems in Hollywood worse. And you're only going to have a handful of actors doing all the jobs because they're not going to take a chance on a new kid nowadays, especially, you know, like they're all, we're already in a system that, the old way of doing things where like someone who's brand new to the industry can really get a good job that that has gone by the wayside. So if you just narrow it down to like the very few people that you can really trust to come in and do an audition and you're not going to get any liability problems with COVID and all this vaccine bullshit. Now you're really going to be limiting. Now it's just going to be everyone. There's gonna be like 20 people that do all movies and TV. So at least they're, you know, the Zoom bullshit keeps yeah, but that it, alive. Yeah, but it, but the thing is, is that it's not even, the, the protocols are in place, yes, and, and they're all doing them. But it's not even about that because now they're doing it because it's easier for them. Yeah, they realize they, they don't, they, have, to they do don't have to have casting sessions. They don't have to come in and sit in a room while a, you know, parade of actors comes through, like, they just sit in their office or in their home and have tapes sent to them. I mean, I get it. Like it's really, really cushy and comfortable and they don't have to have the interactions with anybody anymore. I'm not exactly the most enlightened guy, but one thing I do know is that easier for you is almost always not better. Yeah. You know, it's not, it's not, it doesn't make the product better because you have to do less effort. Listen, it is what it is. Like, there is no use in complaining or bitching and moaning about it because it's just the way it is now. And, you know, I have to say, it makes me really sad because even though auditions have always been really nerve-wracking and and exciting at the same time, and I, I, I loved that. What's that like? Part. What? what Being like? excited about a job. You've been excited about things. Not anything I've ever auditioned for. 
I've, I've never gone into an audition and been like, this would be amazing. I'd love to do this. Wow. I've gone in going, I, if I get this job, the money would be awesome. But I've never once gone into anything I've read for, like, like hosting or anything and been like, I just, this is so me. I love this. I've never done that. I don't, I've never been excited for something. I, I think you have. I just don't think okay, you're name it. right now. Well, I, it will come to me. Okay. Like I said, I'm sure there's been general excitement because I go, if this goes through, I will be umpty ump the Mount Richer and make my family's life better. I've definitely had that excitement. I've never been excited about like there was content. some there was something you went out for where it was like cool people behind it and it was like a hosting gig, but it was like a hosting gig, kind of like how you like to do things. And I remember Anyway, you you also tend to, to think. have a I think a botched memory of some things. No, <laughs> it's not true. Okay. Um. Anyway, what I was yes. saying is that uh, I, I miss that part of my job. I miss the the rigmarole, the the stuff that you did that was part of the process. Well, it, it also it's it's kind of antithetical to the art of acting, right? I mean, yes, because of technology, people watch things on screen, but the the art of, of drama exists between two people looking at each other or yeah, I mean, listen, and, and conversing. There you know? are there are a few circumstances where you're you are acting in on a medium like that in the actual script, you're on a zoom with somebody or you're FaceTiming with someone, but that is very few and far between. The, the reality is that we are on zoom or on video pretending to be in the same room. And some would say, yeah, well, acting is pretending to do a lot of things, but it's just like beating off now. Okay. I, I'm looking at a screen pretending to be, Involved in, I know, fighting. but it doesn't always have to be related to the sexual. That's what I'm saying. It was something that came to my mind. Of that course, it's shocking similar. that that came to your mind. I, but my point is that what I was trying to say. This is the freaking thing with us. You, you slay my train of thought with your dumb juvenile humor. I was trying to keep the momentum going in an entertaining fashion. You know. I'm entertaining. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I will take a I'm, poll. I want this. it. I want it to be entertaining for people who don't have a second part. That's. I think it is. I don't like you today. <laughs> I'm. I'm. Go today, ahead. Today I'm, is, I'm. I'm done. I'm done busting tough. Go ahead. Um, I don't know. I don't even know what I was going to say. Oh, I know because I read. I read this article about how detrimental Zoom. Or, or video conferencing is because the slight lapse in the um, the delay in a reaction from mm. somebody, we're, we we process people's facial facial expressions so quickly that we're not even aware of it. We're not even aware of there's an actual delay when you're talking to somebody yeah, on a screen. Very, it's very minimal, but it makes a difference. It makes a difference. And actually, they, it, the article was talking about how detrimental it is to children trying to learn that way, that it's that they're um, so uh, based on nonverbal cues and those nonverbal cues are out of sync and that it's messes with our brains. So whatever, the whole world's going to hell in the handbasket and 
that's the end. Yeah, but we have a whole new life. We do have a whole new life. And one of these days I'll be doing my show from that whole new life. But yeah, we're in a, we, we rented in, so we moved to Texas. Yes. That happened. We're in Texas right now. Magnolia said the funniest thing the other night. She was said she was sitting in her room with Harry, our little dog. And she looked at Harry and she goes, how did I get myself into this? (laughs) (laughs) So we, we, the, the quick and short of it is that, uh, things were starting to get a little hairy in Los Angeles and (laughs) I'm watching your face, watching your facial cues. Um, and why are you watching my face? I don't know. And, um, uh, an acquaintance of Mike's was opening a new school just outside of Austin. And it looks really not only incredible just as a school, but specifically for Magnolia and the type of kid that Magnolia is and how she learns. That's our daughter, by the way. Yes. For those of you who don't know. And so we had, you know, a little week in the summer that was free. And we thought, why don't we fly out there and go check it out with, with really like, I think we were excited and looking, but I don't think either of us. Curious. Curious, but I don't think any, either of us. By the way, it was like, it was like six weeks ago. <laughs> I know. And neither of us were like, oh, we're going to move. I think it was like an option. Like if stuff really starts to go south, we wanted an option. Yeah. And we came and we met with the head of the school and we loved it. And Magnolia was adamant that she was not moving to Texas. And she get really upset when we talked about it. And I said, we're not, we're not making any decisions right now. We're just window shopping. We're just looking here. But we looked at some places where we could possibly live and nothing really tugged at our heartstrings and made us feel like, yes, this is the right decision. Um, and then I said a little prayer the night before we left. And I just said, I... Who do you pray to? To God. Okay. Yeah, I mean, who else would I pray to? I don't know. You're... You know very... me, though. It's not like I'm some stranger. Listen, no, I know that you're a very legitimate... I mean, people use the word spiritual, so it's become so trite. I know that you're genuinely someone who is a believer in higher powers and, and, and very into spirituality. Yeah. But you're also not... You're, you're also kind of pretty fucking open-minded when it comes to shit like that. You're all in well, Eastern I, principles and I'm, I'm definitely, I don't know if you pray to Vishnu or fucking Odin. Okay, I don't know. Watch the, the language. First of all, and secondly, it's, I pray to God, but my, it's not the God necessarily that I was raised a, a traditional as, a, Christian, as a Catholic. Christian. Um, but I think that the, the way that my spirituality has evolved over my lifetime is really, um, I love, I love it because I can sit and talk with anyone who believes in a higher power or higher consciousness. And I believe they are right. And I have no um, need for anyone to affirm my idea of what that is. And I feel like when we're talking, we're talking about the same thing. Or to, or to contradict what their beliefs are. No, yeah, yeah I, I I agree. I mean, I, I I completely agree. I I too am you know. Not a lot of things have happened in my life that have really substantiated my belief in something that's just greater than us that we can't really see. We can't feel. It's not tangible that there is some spiritual, you know, larger supernatural force. But even though I don't 
have any animosity. I don't have any real pushback against my you know Catholic upbringing. Uh, I don't really see God at that way, mm-hmm. you know. And but the odd thing is, is that, and maybe this is just simple human habit that I, I can't break. Every time I say my prayers, I do. This. Yeah. <laughs> Every time. So well, maybe it's, it's, it's ritual. Force of habit. I mean, yeah. it's, I, I do think the rituals are important. And I think that, I mean, I still, if the shit hits the fan, we'll go sit in a church. It makes, it really comforts me. It makes me feel like I'm in a sacred space and I feel closer to um, the, you know, powers that be. And so I, I, I think that, uh, you know, you find what works for you. I just had a thought and it eluded me. Um, anyway, uh, but we, you said your prayer the night before. Yes. I, I, yes. And, and, um, I just prayed to, um, be shown the way what, what we should do. And we were boarding the flight the next morning and Magnolia and Mike had drawn this really whimsical, beautiful painting on Maggie's suitcase because <laughs> it used to be, Anna and Elsa and Megs has decided that she's outgrown frozen. And it's too, so it's too baby for her. And but we had just recently bought it, so it was new. I said, I'm not buying you a new suitcase. And so she and Mike painted it. And it's so oh my, maybe we can put a picture up of it because it's so cute. Um, and this woman behind us in line, like literally boarding the plane, said, Oh, are you an artist? And I said, Yes. And she said, Are you folks from Austin or from LA? And I said, Oh, we're live in LA, but we, we're just here window shopping and she told us to look at a particular part of the area. And so we got on the plane and I pulled up this town and And granted, this is a place, neither of us. And I have some pretty heavy familiarity with Texas, most notably with Austin because of my, you know, 15 years of coming to South by Southwest when I you know was working at K rock, it was kind of part of it's part of the job. It was a big Mecca for like the music culture. And neither of us had ever even heard of this area. She's like, this is the. Well, I had, I mean, I was pretty, there's all these different neighborhoods and um, I don't know what you call them. They're not suburbs, I guess suburbs of Austin, but the, the lake essentially kind of extends outwards to the Northwest of Austin. And there's areas underneath the lake and there's areas North of the lake. Um, And the lake is like 64 miles long or something. It's crazy. Everything's bigger in Texas? Yes. And so anyway, um, when I pulled up this area, this house popped up and Mike and I both looked at each other and we're like, that's our house. And um, it just made the whole picture make sense. And it was really, it was a, a little um, house on some land and it's this things that we'd always talked about and dreamed of, you know, having some animals and having our own land and, um it just kind of made the whole thing click and we showed Maggie the house and she was like, we're moving to Texas. <laughs> so that was it. Yeah. And then literally, I mean, rapid fire, everything happened and here we are. And it has been so fast. And for me, absolutely terrifying at moments. Um, yeah. But I, I mean, I've said this to you before, you got to kind of cut yourself some slack. It should be. Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, I always say this, that your, uh, your ego really likes what's familiar. 
because it likes to be able to predict what's going to happen next. And it's able to predict what happens next by what has happened in the past. And so when you do things that are very uncomfortable and, and um, well, they're uncomfortable because when you do things that are unknown, that you don't have any prior kind of um, past experience or history with, you, your brain freaks out because it has no tethers to kind of hold on to. Or um, It's also exciting, though. It's super exciting. And it's, and it has been honestly, uh, so wonderful. Like it's just the people here are so lovely You can just have conversations anywhere you go. Everyone wants to talk and chat. And, um, it's just this, I mean, it really is true that the big Texas sky, like Maggie and I were driving to school the other day and she's like, Oh mom, the sky, it's so awesome. It always looks just a little different, but always like a watercolor just is really, and, and I think for me, the biggest thing is the space, like the, the expansiveness around me. I, I feel like I can breathe again. doesn't feel like I'm just on people are on top of me. That's still the surreal part for me. You got to remember it's a shift for you. It's a insane shift for me. I saw the house you grew up in. Granted, it's not the same size land that we live on now, but you had woods and shit yeah, to run absolutely. around. I, it, where I come from, if you had an acre, you're Warren Buffett. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like in LA County to have an acre, it would be like that one UTA party we went to. You would, right. have, to, you would have to make $50 million a year right. to have an acre of land. So to just walk amongst eight acres, it's like, I, it's still kind of like science fiction for me. I, yeah. I, but I love it. I love that aspect. I love going out my door and letting the dogs follow me and not worry about them running into the street. You know what I'm saying? Or like putting not, a leash on them. No, no leash. No, and they just like run, chase lizards. They are in hog heaven. Our dogs are like different creatures now. They're like different things because they are kind of at one with nature. And you gotta be honest. Not exactly very high on the totem pole of nature. I was thinking about it the other day. Like, it would be real easy for all of our dogs, including our 60-pound dog, to get work out amongst the, the land. By what? The Gloria's not going to get... Snake, like a- Snake. Fuck. Fuck Gloria. <laughs> snake. Bird. I mean, giant bird. No, giant bird. Not fuck her giant up. bird with Gloria. Hey, Michael. You were with me in fucking... Carmel, when that guy was going down the list of what these birds do. I understand. It would just rip a chunk off her like like no problem. They're not going after an animal of that size. Come on. The the Coco, absolutely. I mean, the other day there was some falcon circling. Coco's useless in the wild. And she's eight pounds. And, you know, and they came in the other night and they're just covered in I mean, it just happened yeah. instantaneously there. We have been living in the house like two full nights and they were already just like, it was like a, like a Petri dish of different fleas. All of our dogs, all three of them, poor things. Okay. We'll figure it out. Yeah. We'll figure it out. Uh, but, you know, talk to me about like, there was a, there's a, there's an obvious fear that comes with making a giant shift. Yeah. 
I can't imagine what it must be like when you're still probably operating under the belief, even though your left brain tells you otherwise, even though objectively it's not true. I'm sure there's a part of you that believes like I'm an actor. I have to be in Los Angeles. This is fucking crazy. Well, I mean, I certainly never thought I would leave Los Angeles, but I think like until I, you retired, right? Or yeah, I mean, or that we would have, you know, a second home somewhere and like we'd go there when we had the time. I, sure. I, I don't really envision myself ever retiring because I love what I do. Oh, yeah. I mean, I guess with your job, you don't really retire. No, but, um, but I mean, I think just what I was talking about is like it's so, it's changed so much. Um, just even the day-to-day stuff, the whole, um, you know, dynamic of the culture of being an actor in LA is forever altered. I feel really, really sorry for people who are just now getting into it because um, there was something very special about the people that you would see, you know, on, and, and like in times when it would get really busy, like where, you know, I mean, so much has changed already because of streaming and the fact that we don't really have a designated pilot season anymore. Pilot season was where, you know, from the months of January to about March, all the networks would make a crap ton of um, pilots, which is just the first episode of a series, of a television series. And then based on that pilot, they would choose what shows got picked up for that year. It's a really shitty business model. I mean... The craziest. (laughs) I guess like some of these they spend, well, like I did a show um, for NBC years and years and years ago that was picked up for 13 episodes, which means the, the network NBC paid the producers for 13 episodes to be picked up. Millions of dollars. And it was a big like military type show. So it was probably, you know, several million dollars per episode. And, (laughs) um, and they just decided they didn't want to pick it up. So they, it, it aired as like a two hour movie, but, um, but the, the rest of the episodes that they would have made that just, that money just in the wind. Um, but imagine, but, imagine GM was like, guys, we need a new, we need a new automobile. Let's make 500. Everyone gets paid. Like we're making this five. We'll send them out to dealers. See what they think. Like, you know, no, no business would ever do that. It's the craziest shit ever. Like, how could they not storyboard something or do like a five minute pitch piece? And then just like, how on earth is a million dollar trial run the go to for, for, for 50 years? That's no, the- it's like it's like funny money, you know, it just is. It's not real. I don't think to them. And I, I don't know. But but in that time you would go on so many auditions. Like I remember a week where I would just have changes of clothes in my car and I would literally go and be this character for that one, get my car changed for the next one, drive to the next one. The amount of words to memorize for each day. I I remember just coming up and then also is like that much more rejection, right? Because usually in pilot season, you would hear pretty quickly sometimes by the end of the day it's go yeah you know, they're interested they're you know it's going to go further or it's not going further and so sometimes you'd have like three or four in a day and they'd all be no's and you'd just like go home and cry yourself to sleep because um that rejection was that's really- why actors get paid so well oh yeah by the way 
and you don't get paid well until you get success. But I honestly think like if you measure amount of effort, like amount of like sweat that you put in yeah. to how much money a, a good actor gets paid, it is, it's gross, but they're not getting paid for that work. What they're getting paid for is the years of that shit. Well, yeah, that's and, in my and, opinion. And I never realized that until I married you, until I saw firsthand like what pilot season is, how producers and casting directors really look at you guys like cattle, and how fucking horribly just just uh, embarrassing and and disheartening the whole process is. I go, okay, you you know what? If you get to become Jennifer Aniston, you deserve that much money. I yes, you 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 don't your work doesn't deserve it. But the fact that you had to all actors go through this, I was like, pay them because it's fucking horrible. It's I, torturous. I, I I heard Ted Danson. He was either talking or somebody was talking about Ted Danson saying this, but that um, what we do is embarrassing. It's embarrassing to be an actor, and I laughed so hard because it's so true. It's like. You, you would go into rooms or now on tape, um, which isn't, I don't know. They, they both have their, their, their cons um, because like in a room, you have to do it live with people sitting there and on tape, you're just sending it off into the oblivion and you don't even know if anyone's even watching it. But I would do things and to me, it always felt like I would liken it to jumping off a cliff. Like you just have to go. You just, I mean, I, I would always be like, there's, you know, once you decide to, to go, you take that running leap and you go, there's no going back. And I would go in rooms and do things that were so mortifyingly embarrassing to me. And sometimes it worked out well. And sometimes I would leave there just so ashamed of myself. Yeah. And, um, and also, even if you, if you get a job and you make really good money, you know, I think there's this idea that like, oh, you've got it made once you get a gig. And, you know, I mean, that's just not true. Like every actor that I know worries that they're never going to work again. Especially now. Yeah. And, and, you know, and it's, I, I have definitely, I worked straight for about 20 years, just went from job to job to job. And then I turned 40 and I decided that I was really interested in trying to do something a little different than kind of multi-camera sitcoms, which was a lot of what I had done. And um, it's like trying to turn a train going full steam ahead and in a different direction. You know, it is, it's... it's Don't do that. <laughs> yeah. I know. You got to slow it down. But... Um, it's yeah. I mean, it's it's definitely and and also I, I believe that a lot of people and I would include myself in this crew start out um, on the path to being an actor for a lot of the wrong reasons. You know, I think that it attracts a lot of crazily insecure people who are looking for external validation, and I and I was one of those, and I desperately wanted approval and um, wanted to be liked and wanted to be celebrated. And that's just because I had not strengthened the bond to my own self. Yeah. And so I was 
kind of flailing around looking for it everywhere else. And and that's just a, the death knoll. What's the death knoll? Is that? Well, I believe it's death knell. Is it death knell? I believe so. I think you're right, actually. Look it up. I have to go to the bathroom. Oh, I mean, are you seriously going to just leave me here? Yeah. Are we going to cut this out? What, do you, would you rather I crap my pants on my own podcast? I would rather you get whatever causes you to have to run off to the bathroom. Like, I mean, <laughs> this is uh, welcome, folks, to a therapy session with Mike and I, because this happens in therapy all the time because we do Skype. Skype. Who does Skype anymore? We do FaceTime with our therapist and Mike just be like in the middle of like a, a heart wrenching reveal of something vulnerable. And like Mike gets up and just starts walking out and he's like, I can hear you. And you can hear him pooping in the bathroom while I'm spilling my guts about my deepest, darkest secrets. How's everyone doing? <laughs> can we look up whether it's a death knoll? I don't even know where my phone so we'll just hang out here. Yeah, producer Courtney here, so we can look it up. So what is it? Death, death, death Nell, Nell or, or yeah, it's a it's I'm just gonna spell death for you. Nell, K-N-E-L-L. There's a death knell. A death knell is the ringing of a church bell immediately after a death to announce it. Yeah, buddy. That's pretty sweet. That's a good. How is there not a metal band named Death Knell? There probably is. Because, or like a like a Blumhouse movie. How are you a human being? This summer, Death Knell. All will be dead. Snoring Nell Carter. Is Nell Carter dead? Because if there was a movie called Death Knell starring Nell Carter, and she just goes around. Go ahead. Just, it's all it's like it doesn't matter much. Just the camera. It doesn't matter much. That's um, the thing. Nothing really matters all that. No, but you seem to have settled in uh, this last, I don't know, 40 hours or so. You've been visibly a little bit more comfortable. Oh, my gosh. I feel so happy and relaxed. And and it, and it's a weird thing. I was saying this to you the other night. Like, when when life, like, really comes together and, like, you get you get things that you dreamed about having achieving you know experiencing there is that little snail voice i don't know why it's a snail voice it is this little slithering snail voice in your head that goes um is it a pirate snail <laughs> it's a pirate snail from broccoli island yes this is my that was comedy for one <laughs> nobody knows Harry grip song people the guy the head the head principal songwriter and lead singer for the pop punk band nerf herder very good band he in his solo work is a children's music artist named perry grip and it's so good we it's listen so to perry good. grip on loop i think mike and i like it better than magnolia does but um it's really just happy uplifting music yes it's nice and it's, it's so well made the production and the, the music so well written that you you don't mind listening it's not like baby shark or something where you're like oh fuck but I, but that that little voice just says like, oh, this well for very long. You know, it's not the other shoe has to drop, right? The other it's shoe the, has yeah. to drop, and you know, and I and I I think that um, I know where that comes from. It's like Ellie, our therapist, always says like when 
when a when a reaction or a thought is disproportionate to the the reality that you're experiencing, um, if it's hysterical, it's historical. He always says that it's hysterical, it's historical. And so, you know, I always look back and think like, what is it that you know? And and that's the question he always asks us: asking, where have I experienced this before? Where are you okay? Your tummy is just singing. Is that my tum tum? Yes. Oh, sorry. <laughs> it, um, what, I, I want to make it very clear that was not flatulence. I would never do that. Oh, stop! You, oh, we were on a we were on a party boat yesterday. We went on this barge, party barge, and this kid made a fart joke, and you would have thought like it was the best thing that ever no, happened. It was, it was just like a six year old kid <laughs> became like my buddy. They're all your buddy though, kids. Like all the moms were laughing because. Kids, it's like they see Mike and they just know he's one of them. And they just, they just like, like the Pied Piper. They just, they listen, they know they're like internally, they take a look, they talk to me for one minute and they go, okay, if we're going to do stuff that adults don't want us to do, that's the guy we need to roll with. Right? Like goofy. And I don't mean bad. I mean, I'm not kicking kids out. Drink, drinking and driving. I meant like goofy, ridiculous jump in the water with their clothes on. All the stuff that most adults are like, listen, kids, we can't be doing that. If they're like, that's our guy over there. That's our ringer that's pretending to be a grown up. I have noticed about kids in general. I was thinking this a while back. There was a magician who, um, David, David Blaine. Yes, it was David Blaine at a kid's party. Um, he, he, he was <laughs> doing a, like a, a thing where the, you know, like, I don't know, something was supposed to happen a certain way and he kept making it happen the way it wasn't supposed to. And that cracked the kids up more than any other thing that he did. Oh, it was. Um, oh, gosh, I remember it was the guy. He was an older man. Yeah. And he was it was at not not. House. It doesn't matter where it was. No, but it's I just, remember because he he had like the bu- the fake bunny, and he kept yes. trying to get the bunny to do. And all, everyone, and even four year olds, were like, "Okay." He pulls the bunny out of the hat, and everybody said, "But it kept." But it was I, but I, it but was I, yeah. Yes, and I and I I thought to myself at that time that it's very interesting that children really crave that feeling of I know I'm not supposed to do this, or I know that this isn't supposed to go this way but it's really amazing when it is in contrast to how things are supposed to go yes and and i and i think that's a good observation i think that um you know to me in my parenting it's what it's done is made me allow magnolia to have more opportunities to do things the way that she really wants to do them even if it runs counter counterproductive to like, counterintuitive. Counterintuitive. No, counterintuitive. I don't know. Counterintuitively to us, to adults. Yeah, but like, I mean, you know, I think what's really hard as a parent, I don't know. I hear myself a lot sometimes and I think, God, I'm so not fun. Like, I wouldn't, if I was a kid listening to me, I would be like, I don't want to grow up because that sucks to be so grumpy and grouchy about everything. And I, and I think like we, we say we're not going to become that thing. And then we do, because it's just like children are like these little tyrants 
that they're not going to do anything that we tell them to do. And that is the most infuriating thing in the world, but it it's because it triggers our lack of control. And the fact is that control is an illusion to begin with. So we are trying to impose something upon them that actually is a, is a false statement about life that there's anything that you can actually control. That aspect of it is true. Like, I mean, look at COVID, right? I always, I always, um, harken back to that on this podcast because people have this, I want to do a, B and C in in three years. I'm going to do this and like their life plan and all that. And I'm, I'm always, look, I'm not like a life coach or in any way clinically, uh, I'm qualified qualified to, to tell people like how to live their life. But what I will say is like, I've experienced this enough to know this. Your plan for the future, it's not going to look that good. It's not going to work out that way. Life doesn't, it doesn't work out that way. It always throws, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing. No. By no means. In fact, most of the time, it ends up being good. But what I am saying is that we have this desire to control what is coming down the pike. And that just ain't the case. I really thought on New Year's Eve 2019 going into 2020, I really had a whole bunch of ideas of what my life was going to look like. And let me tell you, come summer of 2020, none of that shit happened. In fact, I was not even leaving my house and wearing a mask everywhere. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's just no way of going. I, but, I, but, but, but when it comes to being a parent, it's hard because you're right. You can't control everything. But at the same time, you can't just let your kid run roughshod and fucking be, be and do whatever they want to do no. because they'll be a pile of shit. No, but I do think that there is a lot that we don't let our kids do or we don't let them experience in, in its entirety because of the worries or the fears that we have of what might happen. And, and I, I think that um, some people are uncomfortable with, with this, but like, unless there's going to be blood or severe bodily or emotional, or emotional harm, you gotta kind of let go because, you know, I mean, this is, it, Megs and I were in this apartment for, you know, three weeks before Mike moved the rest of the stuff out and we could actually move into our new house. And she wanted to cook me dinner a lot. (laughs) And she wanted to surprise me. And that was so hard for me. Because you know it's going to taste like ass. Because I know it's going to taste like ass. And also, I know it's going to waste a bunch of shit. And I want to tell her how she should make things. But can I tell you, she... First of all, the first night it was terrible. I mean, it was it has was that the soup. It was so salty. I couldn't even pretend it was good. I I couldn't. It was I was gagging. It was I took a big slurp of it and I was just like, oh my god, horrible. She's made me a couple um, of potions that had um, lemon juice and uh, like vinegar in them. Yeah, you know, like apple cider vinegar. And I'm like, I can't even pretend that this is. But but <laughs> the way to nurture curiosity. And, uh, and zest and wonder for life is to allow kids to do things fully embodied on their own independently. Yeah. And can I tell you that the happiness that she felt of being left in the kitchen, and I was not, I was in just another room. I could hear everything that was going on. I could tell if there was something dangerous happening yeah. with the stove or whatever. Um, she was on cloud nine and, she, and, it, really and it furthered 
her interest and her desire to know more about cooking and she wants to do it more. And she, you know, I mean, I just think like we constantly. Side note, yeah. I'm sorry to interrupt. It helps her appreciate food, good, good food yeah. too, because if you kind of, if it's tactile and you see like I'm chopping the carrots and the meat, that does give it more appeal than if you just get it from say a restaurant, because anyone who's anyone, if they have like broccoli and chicken breast or they have cupcake, I'll be the first to admit, I'm pretty much, it, my, my brain, my animal side is like cupcake. Yeah. But if you've worked with the food, you see like the value of it. it, it I, I do think it makes it easier to make those choices. You know? I think so too. And I, and I think that our kids, you know, they have such a, a, a lust for living. They really do. And I, and I think that part of the infuriating experience of being an adult is that it start it stands in stark contrast to how much we've lost our zest for life. Yeah. And so it is like a subconscious reminder. Cause I know I wasn't aware of that fact until I started to really bring awareness to how uncomfortable I felt when Maggie would just go to town doing something that was so annoying, you know, like making some noise or doing some sort. Of, and, and I had a moment playing, playing, playing an instrument. Yes. I mean, they'll just grab something and bang it. And it's like oh, the, the noise or like, she loves to listen to these stories. That, like, like me in my twenties. All that volume. Yes. But like, just grab something, but then you look at and it and you say, stop. grab something. Go ahead. You look at it. No, I'm done talking. <laughs> you said you, they will just grab something and bang it. And I said, like me in my 20s. I know. I was having a really nice thought. <laughs> Kids the worst. have this zest for life. And oh, you're I, just going to try to. I'm going to go back to it. <laughs> I had other things to say about it. I do. I agree. You know. And if you can capture that as an adult, what an amazing thing. But it's not about, I don't think it's about capturing it. It's about recognizing where, you, where it got lost about, about. Or if you, where it got lost. True. I don't know. I think the danger is if you're someone like me, for instance, is that I never lost it. But because of that, and because of my real deep-seated desire to engage in it, you know, this like adolescent spirit, I didn't develop a lot of really important adult things. You know, because I'm not saying, I'm not a man-child, but there are absolutely... um, aspects of life where everyone can say like, Oh, Mike's so great with kids. Damn. I love it. I love playing around with kids and being a shithead. And I love, I don't feel very self-conscious a lot. I don't feel embarrassed to do goofy things, but there are areas where I go, I just can't seem to like buckle down like a grown man should, you know, like we were talking about it the other day where uh, I said, and I was being very honest. I go, I just don't care you know, my my take on everything was like, I don't care. It's all good. Do whatever the fuck you want. I don't care. And that's amazing 90% of the times. 
But 10% of the time when I really should care, I can't seem to develop. You know what I'm saying? Like, Yeah, but I think that's because you... I think that's exactly what we're talking about is I don't think there is an adult way of dealing with things to develop. I think that we've all had a behavior modeled to us as children that being an adult means being stern and somewhat um, inflexible and um, approaching things from a very serious and studied manner. I'm not saying that. I'm talking about just basic responsibility, maybe. You know, I, I I don't think you have to always, you don't have to ever really be stern. You don't have to ever necessarily no, be serious, but I am saying that there are time, there's a time and a place when you should take, when you should take things seriously. And I don't right. know if I do sometimes when sometimes I do, but other, there's other times when I probably shouldn't, I don't. But, but my, like, for example, yeah, I'm going to out you here. Yeah. There are times that you speak to me and I do too. So I'm not finger pointing in any way, shape or form. There are times when I hear you speak to Magnolia mm-hmm. and that's not you. That's, that's your parents. That's how, that's how you were spoken to. That's how I was spoken sure. to. And, and it's how they were spoken to. We're just carrying. Probably, <laughs> probably At least worse. my parents is probably way worse. Way worse. Yes. In 19, you know, I'm just, especially my mom, I'm just assuming like, in that era, in the middle of the 20th century, Mexican immigrant parents who barely spoke English with no money and alcoholism and violence. And I, I bet you, I bet you like the worst of the worst I was talked to is like a, like would be a Probably. cupcake day for my mom. Probably. Yeah. Yes. And, and I think we all aspire to do better, sure, you know, sure. and, and that is not a slam against any of our parents. It's just, you know, but like, I know the way certain things felt for me when I was a kid and I'm like, I would never do that. And then I hear myself. And my point is, is we go unconscious is the behavior the the, the freedom of our children triggers that little kid inside of us. That's like, I wanted to do that. I mean, I see Magnolia and I'm like, that's who I was. That's who I was before all the fencing came down around me. Mm-hmm. And, and I was, and I felt confined within myself. And I think I truly genuinely believe that life is meant to be fun. I, I truly feel with all my heart and soul that we make such a serious to do about something like guys, we're all going to die. It's going to happen. What? Yes. Even you, Michael D. Catherwood. And, and the fact of the matter is, is that we get consumed by this idea of what other people have told us life is meant to be. And then you make it this serious series of events that all have to be linear and line up. And none of us are having a lot of fun doing it that way, you know? And I, and I, I stopped myself. I, and this happened for the first time with this move where I started to get really consumed by the fear and by a couple of things that had gone wrong. And I was like, no, wait, this this can be fun. It, even in the worst of the, I believe that if we really honored this idea that even death, even death, that I agree with, could be a trip. My and, only pushback though, and a celebration is that I do. I mean, I think in an idealized situation, life should be fun. I want life to be fun. 
And it is getting a lot more fun, isn't but it? But I think, yeah, yeah, for sure. And we're really lucky. We're really great. We should be really grateful because we get, I'm- Because I, why? Because, let me, let me explain. We can't think of life as like this monolithic thing. Life should be fun. Okay. What about if you're in Afghanistan? I, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's I, I not an option. What if you were in the Dust Bowl? You know what I'm saying? Like, if you were a frontiersman in this country, like, no fun, no, no right, option, right. But, zero but, options. But, Michael, it's still basically a computer simulation. Like, yes, horrible, awful things happen to all kinds of people. Right, right. But, no, no, wait, 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 wait. I think you misunderstand. No, 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 but let me finish right. my point. All right. But we come here from we don't know where. We show up. We're born to my, the craziest, the craziest. Right. I'm pretty sure that's, that's where I came from. Okay. My dad's balls. Yes. Then to my mom's okay. belly. And there, we're, where we're on. Yes. You, I know. You know nothing. Nothing. Okay. <laughs> then we do these insane things for a period of time which feels like it goes on forever but actually it's a blink it is yeah if you think about existence and and then yeah. and then we're gone we and, At least and from here and right. from here the, the who knows where the the consciousness and this you know they they there's so much fascinating stuff about this but like they don't know they don't have any ability to say like where consciousness resides within the mind within right. the brain they don't they can't pinpoint that so as far as we know our consciousness could not even be in us. It, yeah. feels, it feels like it There's is. There's just no way of knowing. There's right. No of knowing. So we've made this, this big to-do about all this stuff that happens here. But the, the reality is that the, the adventure of whatever it is that we are is so much bigger than what happens between you being born and you dying. That is, is, is the word infinitesimal? Yes. Mm. No? What is it? Infinitesimal? Infinitesimal. That very, 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 very small. small. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, like, I always have my movie quotes in the Monty Python search for the Holy Ghost. Very small rocks. <laughs> Just popped in my head. Diminutive. Go with that. Diminutive. But it is. Like, if you look at all of, of, Life on Earth, even just life on Earth, right? From the very beginning of single celled organisms. Yeah. How much time that's been in comparison to what your life is? It's that's nothing. It's nothing. It's not okay? even statistically so, a spec. So, it's so technically, and now easy for me to say because I'm not getting, I'm not being beheaded in Afghanistan, right? right. But, but technically, it's not, it's nothing what happens here. It is. It's a it's a it's a video game. You 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 went and you didn't make it through that part. You're you're me. you're totally right. And I don't. There's not one thing you're saying that I don't disagree with. You I was just agree. pushing back. Really? That I, yes, yes, I got I, you. I, um, <laughs> there's not one thing you're saying that I don't agree with. What I was pushing back on was that I think you're right. In an idealized way, life should be fun. I'm just thinking that if we're going back to the six, what, seven billion years that this earth has existed, right. the three billion years or however many hundreds of thousands of years of human existence, you know, yeah. like homo sapiens. The overwhelming majority of those people, fun, not an option. Like, okay. what do you do if your life is like, it's not, there was zero chance of okay, that but because you're a slave in feudal China, you know, like you're, you're right. no fun. 
Right. Right. Okay. I'm getting like into kind of hard to express territory, but hear me out. You're amongst friends. Yes, I know. Well, I hope so. Um, But okay. So if you knew that you show up here and it's essentially a, a video program, right? It's like you come, you do your little thing. Whatever. Some form of simulation. Yeah. Okay. And you're like, oh God, I I downloaded into this really shitty I downloaded shitty software. Yes, I, okay. I'm I picked the worst one okay. to come into. Yeah, the worst avatar. But you're like, I I exit at any time. And and the larger part of what I am will live on. Goes on. Yeah. Then then even then you could be like, hey, this is kind of insane, right? I'm in this crazy, like, I think it's about re-examining what it is to be alive and what it is to experiencing, to experience things. Because even really horrible, dark, deep shit is temporary. It's all temporary. That's a very reasonable explanation to my thought, you know, my, my thought question. My, my thought project of, well, what about when there's no fun to be had? That's a very, very reasonable answer. Is that, well, maybe during this very, 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 very teeny speck of your existence, which is life yeah. here. But maybe it's nonstop fun wherever we go. When well, we I, die. I, I, because yeah. here's the thing. There's way more dead people than no, living people. Living. And you're dead way longer than you're alive. Even on a good, even if you make it to a hundred, yes. you're dead way longer. Yes, but by, by leaps so, and bounds. So maybe, but, but for the, the 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 slave in Sierra Leone who was born a slave and watched his parents be murdered, maybe that's the answer. Maybe that's the answer. It's like, well, yes, it's not necessarily fair that there's some other kid was born in Malibu with everything, um, but none of that matters in the next phase. Well, and, and, and let's say even if there, yes, even if there wasn't, let's say even if there wasn't another go around where you came back and stuff was better or stuff was, even if there wasn't any, that, that's, a, that's again, linear thinking, that idea that like there even would be like, this one's bad, that one's better. I get to experience it all. What if it was just this little plop on this little piece of dust is shitty. I picked the shittiest one. I got, bad I came plot. in, bad plot. Um, plop. Um, it's still the, I, the, the, I think the point is that it's temporary. And so knowing that it ends and that the larger part of what you are goes on forever and ever and ever in some space that we probably can't even comprehend because what we know is what our experience has been on this planet. We don't get to know, I don't know. It brings up a, a crazy story that happened with Magnolia. Uh, for those of you who don't know, my brother was, um, involved in a horrible accident when he was in his early twenties and he was run over by a, uh, the, the Metro, the, the subway essentially in Prague in the Czech Republic. And he had both his legs were amputated and, um, it was a, a really horrible experience for, no, sounds great. <laughs> for sounds awesome. everyone in my family to go through, but mostly my brother. Um, I don't and, know. I, don't know about that. I would, Imagine it would be as well, hard on your parents as yeah. It I, mean, was on him, you know? I, I do think that it was yeah. Anyway, we were doing some filming with my brother, and Magnolia was not even 
three years, almost three years old. And she, she knew that uncle Andre had been in an accident, but we had not talked at great length about the accident. And I came back late one night and she was already in bed and she, she was sitting in her crib and I sat down on the floor next to her crib. And she said, where were you? And I said, I was with uncle Andre. We were doing some filming. I said, you realize uncle Andre doesn't have legs, right? (laughs) And she said, yeah, he was hit by a train and I was with him. And my whole body went like numb because it was just one of those things where like, you know, you're on the precipice of hearing something that is going to challenge your beliefs. And I said, you were, and she said, yes, he had cuts all over his back and I put band-aids on them. And he hit his head so hard and I stayed with him until they could come and help him. Those details were absolutely true. Andre had almost like, um, what's it called when it fra- fra- no, um, not frackle. What's the stuff in the planes when they would fire the guns up and it's the, the little fragment? Like a uh, shrapnel. Shrapnel. Thank you. Um, like all over his back because when the train had run over him, it had such force and he had hit his head. uh, His head had been slammed against the, um, I think the side of the platform. No one had ever spoken of this to Magnolia. No one. I don't know how she knew this, but to me, that story always stands as my proof that we just don't know. And so therefore it's life is such a a mystery. It really is such a magical, wonderful mystery. And even in the darkest of times, there is fun. You can make it fun. You can figure out a way to laugh at the ridiculousness of what we're doing here and that it's all going to be gone just before you know. It's quite temporary. Yeah. Well, I do think that's a good outlook. Um, And I wasn't trying to be, contrarian like pointing out the areas no it's how you have a discussion i was thinking though you know because i i do agree with you i mean i i think one of the main one of the biggest reasons i like being here in texas is because uh i'm i was so tired of everybody trying to outcool each other and yeah. adults having adults not being able to dance at concerts and because everyone's so scared of not looking cool. And I was so tired of that, of not screaming in, at, at sporting events and, and, and headbanging at concerts, you know, like I'm saying like there was all that kind of like cool guy environment that was surrounding us more and more, especially with social media, you know, made everybody kind of all in their own TV show. Um, and it's so nice to be in places where people just, get goofy you know like and are normal like good just hard-working loving people you know i i've never had so many really lovely conversations and just there is no i i do think that unfortunately some parts of la and what it represents there is this energy of um what can i get from you there's almost a like, who are you? I don't know if that's LA as much as it's the entertainment. Yes, yes. To be fair. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Because, um, and that, you know what? I don't want to say it's okay with me, but I do cut people in the entertainment industry some slack in the same way that I cut politicians some slack because 
it's essential to being good at that job. It's terrible to say, but you won't make it very far in politics or the entertainment industry if you don't have some sense of cutthroat kind of sense. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I'm sure I'm sure there's really good, warm people that are just so talented. They there make there are there. But are. I, I just think that it, it is narcissism's an asset in those two lines of work. Yeah, and I, I think this past year and a half, not to bring it back to this, because I, I really do hate talking about this. Yeah, I just I think it's nobody wants to hear about it anymore. I think we're we're um tired of it. Yeah. And um but I I do think that it was a um a real eye-opener for me, you know, when I drove down to Los Angeles uh in my boyfriend's convertible Mustang. <laughs> it's not an old cool one either. It's like a, a like it was like a 90, 98 or something. That's um, not, that's an uncomfortable car to drive from Seattle to LA. In. It was. Yes. But, um, but like, you know, recite, reciting my, I remember listening to music and reciting in my mind, my Oscar acceptance speech. <laughs> I had this idea of Hollywood and what it was about and that it was people like me who wanted to make the world a better place. And I do think there are those people 100%. But what the last year uh, I believe that I witnessed is how desperate a lot of those people are to stay relevant and to just go along with whatever's being said, just to stay on the side of virtue. And it's Q factor. And, um, and I, I was really disappointed to, to find myself a part of an industry that felt like it could tell that it had a right to tell people what they should think and what they should do. I believe that the basis of great art is to find a way to say something interesting about life, but that once you put it out in the world, it's for anybody's interpretation to make their own connections and I, I feel like some of our greatest artists have become talking puppets. And um, I, that makes me sad. So I really would, I, I hope that there are new and, and different ways for us to find, you know, to put our art out in the world. And um, only fans. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and, I, and I really just want to say to everyone that I, I honor your right um, the freedom to think and feel however you want to. And that um, just because you feel it is what validates it. Yeah. Well, thank you, honey. It was a very interesting, but very good. Episode. It was kind of all over the place, right? Yes, we went all over the place. I've but... never seen Courtney so interested. <laughs> really? Yes. Um, in this crazy mixed up world that makes you think that nobody cares. We, we do. Love you people. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.